Well, guys, good morning. We're continuing our series, God, Where Are You? And I want to jump right in today with a question. And this is the question that Habakkuk is going to ask God as they're in this conversation together. And we're going to talk more about Habakkuk and his conversation with God in just a second. But the question is, why does God seem silent? You know, maybe we could qualify it when bad things happen to his people. And think about that question for a second, but now I want you to personalize it. Why does God seem silent when bad things happen to me? And there's a very important word in that question that may be a throwaway word. And that word is seen, and it's super important. What if God isn't silent? What if he's been speaking and you haven't been able to hear him? What if he's been speaking and you're unable to hear him? See, it's common to feel this way. I don't know about you, but I know for me, I would say that it's normal for us as human beings to feel that God appears to be silent in moments of our lives, especially in those challenging moments, in those bad moments, like a death of a loved one, a cancer diagnosis, separation, abuse, betrayal, broken friendship, a loss of a job, unable to find a job, bankruptcy. And for whatever reason, these bad moments come as a shock when they happen. And these moments have a tendency to drive us to pray, asking for God's help. And when it seems that God is not answering, it leaves us, God, where are you? And the feeling that God is silent or distant is a common experience among us, right? especially those of us who are grappling with questions. We have doubts. We're facing challenging circumstances, really with no answer in sight. And maybe there are, you know, there are several reasons why it seems that God is silent. Maybe, maybe for you and I, it's, that God is trying to test us spiritually. He's growing us spiritually. Maybe God is providing you and I an opportunity to deepen our faith and an understanding of who he is by being patient as we wait. Maybe it's human perception and expectation. Maybe for you and I, we often have a, a, like, a, like an expectation in mind that, God, I'm praying for this. I'm expecting this. I'm expecting you to deliver in this way for me, in this challenge, in this situation, in this bad moment. I'm expecting you to deliver a certain way. What if God's way of communicating to us are not always what we want, but what we need? It just seems like the bad moments aren't ending. It seems like we cannot break that cycle. Let me ask you something. Why do we get so bent out of shape during those bad moments? But we don't feel this way when we're going through the good moments. I don't know if you've ever gone through like a cycle of everything's just going well for you, right? And typically in those moments, we, we don't pray. We're kind of just coasting. We, we, don't, we don't really... Like, remember that the good that we're dealing with is God is allowing us to go through that. We're sort of just coasting. Maybe it's unresolved questions and doubts. Maybe you and I have unanswered questions or unresolved doubts that it just makes it's, it just makes it seem that God is silent. And then there's emotional and psychological factors. Maybe it's stress, anxiety, depression, bipolar, or other emotional and mental factors that are contributing to your sense that God is being silent with you. 
So we want to pick up where we left off last week with God responding to Habakkuk. And so the first week we learned that Habakkuk is in a conversation with God, and Habakkuk is God's prophet, God's spokesman, and God at that time would speak through people to the people. So Habakkuk is looking at the government corruption, the war, the idolatry, and he's wondering, God, why are you tolerating this? And God says, I'm going to discipline my people. And so he tells how he's going to discipline his people by sending in the Babylonians. And they're an evil, wicked people. And then Habakkuk, and this is kind of where we left off last week, that yes, we learned that discipline is necessary. But Habakkuk was really confused. On one hand, he knew that God is holy and he needed he needed to do something, that he was not going to let sin go unpunished. But on the other hand, he was really confused that he would utilize these evil Babylonians, the, the same people that he called and brought Abraham out of. He's like, why are you using these wicked people? They're going to slaughter us. We don't stand a chance against them. Like, why does it have to be that form of discipline? And so notice how chapter 2 starts. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, speaking of God, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk understood, and we, we saw this a little bit last week, how the Babylonians would overtake a city. Um, cities typically were within a city wall. Uh, and within that wall, they would have these ramps that would go up into the top of the wall so they could look out to make sure that no one was coming. And so how the Babylonians would overcome a city, overthrow a city, is they would build ramps. And they would build these ramps from the outside and get up to the wall where they would go down through and overtake the city. And so what Habakkuk is doing is he's stationing himself on the ramps from within the city. Basically, Habakkuk is in the front line. That this is going to be really bad as the Babylonians are a violent people. And Habakkuk is on the front line. What he is doing is he's positioning himself to receive something. He's positioning himself on the front lines to hear from God, to receive a vision, a message, an answer. See, are we positioning ourselves to hear from God as things are about to get challenging, about to go sideways? When we see the tension within our relationship, our friendship, our marriage, when we see them begin to build, those tensions begin to build, are we seeking and we're waiting for his help? When the company goes through changes or they ghost you during your interview process, are you seeking and waiting for his help? Are you positioning yourself to hear from him? And then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. Now I want to take a step back. God did not have to mention any of this step back. I mean, God didn't even have to respond as immediate as it seems. Habakkuk. He was pretty quick in responding it seems. He didn't have to even do that. God didn't have to debate his plan. He didn't have to defend his plan on how he utilizing the evil Babylonians. In his grace, 
he did respond to Habakkuk. Now listen, this may sting a little bit. God doesn't have to respond to you. He doesn't have to respond to me. He doesn't even have to respond to us quickly. He's not contracted to do it. He's not obligated to do it. But when he does, he does it for a reason. And when he doesn't, he does it for a reason. God wanted the message to go out to the people of Judah. So he instructed Habakkuk to write this prophecy on tablets. You know, the last time that something was written down on tablets was the law of Moses at Mount Sinai. What God was about to say was very important and urgent, and the message needed to get out. The message was going to come true at his appointed time. If God knew when it was going to happen. The people didn't know. They were waiting. It seemed like it was maybe taking forever, but it would happen at the right time. Habakkuk needed to be patient. God says to Habakkuk, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Talking about the Babylonians. They're arrogant. They're prideful. Then it's like he stops. And he says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And it's like he was going to continue his thought about the Babylonians. He's reminding his people to remain loyal to him and to his word, which required a lot of humility. And by doing so, by relying on God, they would experience God's blessing by enjoying a life of security, protection, and fullness. I mean, we see it played out later on throughout Daniel and Ezekiel, how God was faithful to his people even in a different land. When they were taken, they were defeated and taken into captivity by, by the Babylonians, God was so faithful to his people. In fact, this was the most important part of the message for Habakkuk and the people of Judah. In fact, this was so important that the Jewish rabbis declared that the 613 laws are reduced to this statement, the righteous will live by faith. And it's like he goes back about the Babylonians. He says, indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave, like death never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive of all peoples. God's referring to these Babylonians, how they will be betrayed by wine. Later on, we see their addiction of wine led to their downfall. And this this is played out um, in Daniel's book in chapter 5. See, the Babylonians desire to be in total control of the known world. Then arrogance would be their downfall as the Persians would conquer them. God almost broke that thought, remember? Because he wanted his people to be different, to be humble. Arrogance would lead to destruction. Humility would lead to blessing. God wasn't silent before Habakkuk. Even when Habakkuk wasn't receiving messages from God, God was speaking to Jeremiah. And when he wasn't speaking to Jeremiah, he was speaking to Habakkuk. And we see this played out in Judah's timeline where Habakkuk and Jeremiah served at the same time. And then there's the start of the exile. And for over 21 years, they would take people in stages. And then while they're in exile, you had two men that God used, Daniel and Ezekiel. 
and God allowed Daniel and Ezekiel to give messages to the people of hope that one day the people would return home. This would not last forever that he was getting them home. And eventually the people see the Babylonians fall to the Persians in 539 BC. Remember the question we started with and we made personal? Why does God seem silent when bad things are happening to him? Remember how we talked about seeing? See, what if God isn't silent? What if, what if he's been speaking and you and I haven't been able to hear him? What if he's been speaking and you're unable to hear him? And for whatever reason, these challenging situations, these bad moments come as a shock when they happen. These moments have a tendency to drive us to pray. We're asking for God's help. And when it seems that God isn't answering, it leaves us, God, where are you? Hopefully this analogy helps. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a corn maze before, but uh, I've been able to do those before. And doing them with your kids one thing, right? It's pretty neat. It's a neat um, test of trust. And so here we are. We're in this maze. We're trying to get out. And uh, it's fun. But I know how to get out. And I've been there before, right? I have this knowledge of I know where the end is. I know where the exit is. She doesn't. She can't see it. But I can see it. And so there's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of uncertainties. And she's holding my hand, and we're looking to get out. But I don't tell her where to go, but I have her hand. I kind of I nudge her in the right direction, but I'm not like telling her, hey, go right or left, because I want her to kind of figure it out herself. I want her, while she's holding my hand, to have the joy of discovery when she gets out. Like, that's what I want for her. I want her to be able to learn how to navigate challenges, gain confidence, and appreciate the beauty of getting through this maze together. And then when she gets out, she's like, I got out. It's like, I kind of helped you along the way, right? Giving me no credit. See, life's a lot like that. We're in this maze. Life is complex. Life is full of challenges. But then we have God, and he sees the bigger picture. He knows where we need to go. And he's directing us along the way by holding our hand. And there's moments where he's, he's quiet. He's not really saying a lot. But he's guiding along the way. His presence is constant. He's offering support and encouragement along the way. And then when we get out of that challenge, that bad moment, we look back and we're like, man, I've grown. I've grown in my trust and in my dependence of him. God's apparent silence in your life doesn't mean absence. Rather, it's an invitation to trust his nature, his character, and his plan. Here's our takeaway this morning. God is not a silent spectator. He's a guiding presence, allowing you and I to discover his strength in the twists and turns of apparent silence. It may seem like God is silent, but in reality, he is at work in your life. You may not be able to hear him, but he is very present making all things come together in his time. And just like God gave Habakkuk 
his law and other prophets, God gives us in his grace three things. He gives us his word, his spirit, and his church. It's likely that he's already spoken something that can reassure you as you read the Bible. The Bible is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. All scripture, Paul says, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness or right living. And then you have the Holy Spirit, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present in you, providing you peace, contentment, and patience as we wait. Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And then Paul writes this, that when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, this is what's produced, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And it's likely that not only has he used his word, he's used his spirit, but he uses others. He uses the church to speak life into you. Encouraging words when you need it the most. To pray with you when you're going through that moment. Paul writes in Romans 1.11, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Then he also writes, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I want to show you this clip. I hope this clip encourages you. No matter what situation or moment that you're in, I hope that this encourages you. Since mom died, it's only been us. He has a way of filling my life with color. Dad, which one? That one. Sometimes I don't understand his advice, but I trust him. And what always brought us together was our love for running. One day, I'll be faster than him. And when I am, I'm going to win every marathon in the world. Or at least that was my plan. I'm losing my sight. And real quick, read to me the lowest level that you can see on me. What is called is interocular melanoma. Eye cancer. Unfortunately, you will lose your vision. That was the day my father disappeared. I thought he would always be there for me. I guess I was wrong. Dad, where are you? Dad! You abandoned me. Where are you, Dad? Where did you go? Do you not love me anymore? Am I still beautiful? Are you no longer proud of me? How could you leave me when I need you the most? 
Abby thinks I've left her. And as much as it pains me to hear that, she's right. I've left her. The best that we can do is can save the actual eye so that cosmetically she doesn't lose it. My girl. That's my girl. That's my little girl. There's some poor groups, and I know this is a very difficult time. No! I've left her to realize she's more courageous than she ever imagined. I've left her to discover how beautiful she is from the inside out. I've left her to challenge herself in ways she never considered. I've left her to discover how strong she really is. Think about how far you've come. My dad says he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. Love is allowing someone to see their true worth and beauty. I used to think my dreams were over. I thought I'd never run again. And even though I can't see my dad, I know he's guiding me the entire way. That's something else, isn't it? Two questions to think about today. Why do you believe God seems silent to you? And where have you seeing God use his word, use his spirit, use his church to speak to you. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful for your word. We're so thankful for what you are doing in our lives. Even though we may not be able to hear you, we are so thankful for what we could see happening. You speak to us through your word, through your spirit, and through other people. And we ask that we would open ourselves to those things. We ask for those in the room who are struggling with putting their faith in Jesus, that you would convince them that is the next best step for them. We ask, Father, for those of us in the room who are followers of Jesus, that we would be patient as we wait, that we would be very receptive to however you answer that for us, whether it's a yes or a no or, hey, let's wait a little longer. We know that you want what's best for us. Help us to want that same thing. In Jesus' name.